444.com is the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stolzer, joined as always by John Paulson. And uh, John, first and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? You're, doing? you're you're a dad again. Yeah, yeah, I'm a father. I'm a father again. Yeah, th- number number three. Uh, and I don't. I I think you mentioned it last week on the podcast. I didn't have an opportunity to go back and and listen. But first and foremost, thank you for Brand- Thank you to Brandon for filling in. My my son Lincoln was born. Last last Thursday, the fourth at uh, four fifty, and I was telling John before the podcast that he was due yesterday. We're recording this on Friday, so he was due on the eleventh, Thursday, eleventh, and he came uh, came a week early. He was measuring a week early, and he's good. He's been great, and my wife Kristen, um, who is incredible, she's she's feeling good and spending some time at home this week, and uh, it's been good, man. It's it, I never thought I'd have three kids, but it's honestly, John, it's. It's been a lot of fun so far, to, to be completely honest with you. So it's been great. Are you done? Are you gonna keep going? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. That's it. <laughs> that's it. We're a little bit older. I'm. I'm thirty. I'm thirty nine, and I'll be forty yeah. in March. And you know the the risk and stuff like that when you get a little bit older is there. But we're we we feel like the family is now complete. So uh, appreciate. Like I said, appreciate you you working with Brandon last week and Brandon stepping in and giving me a little extra time with my wife and my my now second son. So appreciate it. So, you ready to rock today? Let's let's do it. All right, tell us about the music, and then we'll dive into the podcast. Yeah, this is uh, maybe a little bit of a different tune for us, kind of a folk rock soul song. Uh, uh, Ada Victoria is the artist, and the name of the track is Magnolia Blues. It's the opening track on her album, A Southern Gothic, and uh, that came out this year. So, uh, I'll add it to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find a link for in the show notes. So we got a lot to get to, to in today's podcast. We have a signing. We have two signings. We have Odell Beckham choosing a team. We've got Cam Newton returning home to some in some respects. He goes back to the Panthers, so we'll dive into that. But, you know, we've been telling you for a while now that you could get a free 4 for 4 subscription just for depositing $10 at Underdog or 20 to $35 at Prize Picks. And to top it off, if you're a new FFPC user, you're also going to get a $35 coupon to play in one of their leagues. For more details on that, 4for4.com slash plans is where you're going to find the details on that. We've also cut our prices of a rest-of-season subscription to $19 for a classic subscription. So if you've been out on the fence, you don't know, should I get a subscription, should I not? You know, I've been faring well in fantasy leagues, but uh, a little extra help, especially from an in- industry leader and expert like John Paulson. Dad, that sounds good. Now's your, now's your time. $19 for a classic subscription for, to 4for4.com, $29 for for a pro subscription, and then a $49 subscription to DFS. If you're, a, if, you're, if you're mostly a DFS user, our DFS tools are incredible. And for $89, you can get a betting subscription, and that includes uh, picks for me, and I'm hitting right right around 61, almost 62% this year with my picks. The other guys that are there doing the, the prop picks and things like that have been fantastic. So if you want to try our betting subscription, it's only $89 right now. Good time to subscribe. Great time to check out our site before next season. John, let's dive into it. As we, as we mentioned, Odell Beckham Jr., he's got, a, he's got a new home. The Cleveland Browns era is over with. He essentially worked his way out of Cleveland after the trade deadline. They waived him. Nobody was going to pick up the $7 million you know, price tag, so he cleared waivers, and he chose the Rams. They, they get rid of uh, Deshaun Jackson, who wanted out a couple of weeks ago, so they, the Rams released him and essentially have replaced him to Odell Beckham. Do you like the fit? What does this mean now for Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods and uh, Matthew Stafford, and what does it mean for Beckham? I like the fit with respect to Beckham trying to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think this is a good landing it's spot. A good way the Rams to put it. Are, yeah, the Rams are a uh, Super Bowl favorite. I would say. Uh, I was tweeting last night. Like he was trying to decide between the Packers and the Rams, and I get that the Rams play in L.A. and there's lots of appeal there and the high flying offense. And apparently, uh, Beckham never felt that the Packers were "quote unquote" all in on signing him. Uh, Sean McVay apparently called him, or they chatted on the phone, and McVay broke down all the ways that they were going to take advantage of Beckham's skill set. So he decided to sign with with L.A. and there was a little bit of confusion there. It sounded like he was still on the fence, and then they they announced the signing, and then they took it back, and then they announced it again. And um, this is a very, as a Packer fan, this is a very typical scenario where they're you know bottom you know top two or three choices and then um miss out on the team because they didn't do enough to like woo the player or whatever i think he would have been a good fit with uh the packers given their uh 
talent uh, at receiver, um, but you know he would have had a big opportunity to to play a, a role, a sizable role in the passing offense for the Packers. But he's uh, going to land with the Rams, and they just you know Deshaun Jackson just was let go. He was not seeing very many routes. He he started playing a bit. Uh, he was splitting time with Van Jefferson, and then Van Jefferson sort of won that job. And Deshaun Jackson was running three or four or five routes per game and asked for his release. So I do wonder, you know, I think Beckham is probably better than Deshaun Jackson at this point. Uh, it was interesting on Twitter. I was arguing with two different sets of people. One, because I kind of think Beckham's pretty good and I kind of wanted the Packers to sign him. Just I thought it was like a low risk signing and, you know, maybe he could be that extra piece that uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers needed uh, in the passing game to get them to another Super Bowl. Um, but I was arguing with people who thought that he was still early career Beckham, uh, saying that you know he's going to go to the Rams and be the number one receiver, or number two receiver. No way. Uh, and I was also arguing with people who thought that he was complete dust. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> so it was a weird spot to be in, so I just stopped arguing with people. Um, what I think is going to happen is that Beckham is coming in. He's got to learn the offense. Uh, they'll get him. He'll probably cost Van Jefferson some routes and – you know, if Beckham is better than what he was showing in Cleveland, then he will end up, you know, winning that wide receiver three job probably. And Van Jefferson, you know, his role drops down to that five to ten route uh, per game type role that uh, Deshaun Jackson was seeing. If Beckham is truly, or if you know Beckham still got the shoulder injury, and you know we don't know how healthy he is, uh, if he struggles to get healthy or just struggles in general like he did in Cleveland, then Van Jefferson can retain his value. And then this whole Beckham experiment is not going to go very well uh, for the Rams. Uh, I think he'll, I think right now, like wide receiver three for the Rams, real world. Uh, I don't see him infringing on Robert Woods's role too much. And he certainly isn't going to infringe on Cooper Cup's role too much. I don't think it's great for either of those players because now you have kind of a target hog player in Beckham uh, and I don't know if they're going to force some targets his way and if they do that will impact Cup and Woods a bit so I think their ceilings are a little bit lower uh, but I don't I think they'll both be fantasy starters for the remainder of the year unless Beckham really takes off there and then maybe he usurps Woods and Woods is more of a wide receiver three wide receiver four type I could see that potentially happening if Beckham is a lot better than what we've seen in in Cleveland, but my right now I'm thinking, you know, he's can get open. He can still run routes. Uh, Matt Harmon's route running charting, uh, for last year, you know, was pretty bullish on Beckham getting back to not his elite status from the first few years, but at least back into the top 15 or 20, um, of the players that he charted, you know, the 50 or 60 players that he charted, um, which made me a little bit more bullish on Beckham as like a seventh round pick, but he's just, you know, continued to struggle on Cleveland had injuries, never was really on the same page as Baker Mayfield, and here we are. Now he's with the Rams. Yeah, I just my two cents on this. When it comes to Odell Beckham, I, I one, I don't think I don't I don't know if he's completely healthy. I mean, let's let's not forget that he missed he missed the majority of the start of the season because he was banged up. He doesn't look to me anywhere close to what he was in his heyday with the, with the Giants. I, I don't think this is all Baker Mayfield not not finding Odell Beckham Jr. And I'm not the biggest. Baker May- Mayfield fan. I think he's more of a game manager than anything. But uh, nonetheless, I-, I I don't think he's dust either. I don't think there's. I don't. I don't think you go from being a top ten receiver at one point in your career to being completely done in a short period of time. I just don't know if he's completely healthy. So I think the truth probably lies between you know the the one side that you were arguing with John and then the other side, right? Like the the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Interesting fit. Great system. We'll we'll see how it all works out with Odell Beckham Jr. now being in L.A. with the Rams. The other signing that we need to talk about is Cam Newton, who, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, is essentially returning home. He goes back to the Panthers. He signs a deal with them. CBS Sports' Jonathan Jones reports that Cam Newton could be active in Week 10 against the Cardinals as either an emergency player or subbing in for some special packages. This is an interesting fit. Now, let's keep in mind, it's not the same offense that he's returning to from the one that, that he left. Uh, but it is an interesting signing. They needed him because Sam Darnold, shoulder, he's he's out for, for almost a month, John. P.J. Walker, 
who was starring a couple of years ago in the um, now defunct, you know, XFL. He's going to be the starter for the time period, time being. But what do you think about Cam Newton from a fantasy standpoint landing in Charlotte again? I think certainly for for managers that have DJ Moore, uh, Christian McCaffrey, they have to be feeling better about this with Darnold sidelined for a month and Darnold not playing all that great over the last few weeks anyway, um, unable to support more than one fantasy receiver. Robbie Anderson's having a terrible year, and we don't really know if that's. I mean, it's his his drop rate's pretty high, so it's it's probably a combination of him and Sam Darnold, uh, like a perfect storm of. Uh, <laughs> poor connection, I guess, uh, and that's why Robbie is not performing at all, given the usage he's got. Um, DJ Moore, he was, you know, Darnold was some more supporting DJ Moore. Some of that was helped by Christian McCaffrey's absence. So now that McCaffrey's back and Moore is, is there, and you have a quarterback in Cam Newton who I don't think, and you're talking about dust, I don't think he's completely dust Either I don't think he's the MVP candidate he once was, and I think you know he's not. I think he's better than what we would get out of PJ uh, Walker. Uh, I keep wanting to call him PJ Tucker because of the basketball player. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, Cam's season last year with the Patriots wasn't like his. I wouldn't call it his fault. I mean, there was just extenuating circumstances. There were no weapons. Uh, they they just basically ran a run heavy scheme where he was you know running a lot. He still averaged 7.2 yards per carry. He only threw eight touchdowns in 15 games and 10 interceptions. It wasn't great, um, but I, I wanted to see what he would be able to do with the new weapons that they got there in New England. He never got that chance, and I think landing with the with the Panthers is a boost for everybody. It, gets, it gives him a chance to sort of re, restart his career, the tail end of his career, and uh, it, it gives the, the Panthers a better option at quarterback than what they were dealing with probably this season. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself bullish, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's, you know, throwing a touchdown and maybe running for half a touchdown or, or more per game. He's, you know, can still run the ball and he's got a pretty good set of weapons there with, uh, with more McCaffrey, you know, Robbie Anderson, can get it, you know, get his head on straight and then uh, Terrace Marshall back in the fold as well as the third receiver. So I think it's, uh, it's looking better for the Panthers, I think in the short term. From signing a quarterback to talking about quarterback injuries, specifically Kyler Murray. He missed last week's game, as we know. Cardinals still won anyways. Boy, the 49ers one of the more disappointing teams, uh, I think, in the league. But the Cardinals have been one of the more surprising teams. They win without Kyler Murray. Here's the latest on his ankle. He says, I feel way better than I did when I talked to you last time. So I think that's a plus, and I'm excited. I think I made crazy strides as far as in a, in a positive direction since it happened. Murray, DNP, John, on Wednesday and Thursday. Cardinals play late on Sunday. How would you advise fantasy managers to handle this situation? Well, I think you kind of do what you did last week, which is if you want to wait on him, you have to have a pivot in place uh, from the later games because uh, they do play uh, in the late round of games. You can pivot to Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, or you could even pivot to Colt McCoy. He played pretty well against the 49ers, put up a pretty good fantasy line, uh, ran for some from yards uh, and scored enough uh, to sort of get managers by. Uh I do wonder, you know, we'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins as well like later, but I do wonder if the, the Cardinals, the last week's win against the 49ers might change their approach for this game. Like they're not, you know, coming off of two straight losses and feeling like the, the, the season's spinning out of control. Maybe they feel like they can win this game against the Panthers with uh, P.J. Walker at quarterback. They can win it without their without Murray, without Hopkins. And they might just try to think in a long-term perspective, trying to, to get them healthy for the stretch run, because that's what matters. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, Friday's practice will be key for both of those players. But, um, you know, right now it sounds like Murray is trying to, like, angle his way back into the lineup. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see what, what happens. But I would, you know, if you, obviously if he's playing, you got to probably have to start him unless you have a really good option. Um, but there, you know, there are some pivot late game pivots that you can, you can make so that you can wait and not get hurt too bad by it. Continuing with our injury conversation, transitioning to running backs. Now, Najee Harris added to the injury report for the Steelers limited on Thursday with a foot injury. What's your, what's your thought process on this? 
Well, this is the first time he's been on the injury report, so it's a little bit, I would describe it as a little bit alarming, uh, and it's also a midweek downgrade. Now, sometimes these things just turn out to be nothing, and it's just like, oh, he felt a little soreness in his foot, so we're calling it a foot injury, and we're going to give him the day off. Um, I don't know what to make of this until we see what, what he does and is able to do on Friday. He's obviously seen tremendous usage this year. The next guy in line is probably Benny Snell. Uh, Snell's got 10 carries and one catch on the, on the year. Kalen Balaj has seven carries and one catch on the year. So you probably will see some sort of timeshare between the two of those, uh, with maybe Snell in the lead role. Um, if, if Harris can't play, but we'll know more uh, today based on what Harris can do, uh, in practice. Alvin Kamara, DNP on Wednesday, DNP on Thursday due to a knee injury, Nick Underhill who uh, reports on the Saints, called him doubtful, though Kamara could play without practicing, uh, although it seems unlikely based on what Underhill has heard. The Saints signed Josh Adams to the practice squad. They have Mark Ingram and Dwayne Washington on the active roster with Adams and Lamar Miller on the practice squad. The the situation for Kamara managers, John, pretty simply, you just got to kind of pay attention leading into Sunday. What are your thoughts, though, on Mark Ingram and Dwayne Washington from maybe a DFS or you know a streaming situation? Yeah, I mean, Ingram is available on waiver wires some. Uh, he's been picked up, I think, since he moved to, to New Orleans. And, you know, I think he saw 14 touches last week. Uh, so he's sort of getting back into that role that we saw him in with Alvin Kamara uh, in pre- you know his previous stint with the Saints. So and that was a really productive fantasy role for him. So I would look at him as probably a uh, you know low end RB two. If if Kamara sits, we're not exactly sure how much they'll feed Ingram and you know versus the the RB two, which would presumably be Dwayne Washington. But the the fact that they signed J- Josh Adams, and there was this you know these rumors of a of a Kamara injury, um, made it pretty alarming. I think for people that you know are managing or have uh, Kamara rostered uh, and the fact that he's back-to-back did not play or did not practice uh, certainly even more alarming so Friday practice will be key they have to travel to the game I think Saturday um, so we'll know more then if he travels with the team whether or not he even has a chance to play uh, but you know right now it doesn't look great uh, per uh, Underhill uh, so I would probably have Ingram fired up as a you know in the 18 to 22 range is, you know, half PPR. He can catch the ball a little bit. They throw it to him more than he, they, you know, Baltimore did. Um, and obviously the Houston Texans did. Uh, but I don't think that I would feel any sort of confidence in Dwayne Washington or any other running back. They have Lamar Miller and Josh Adams on the practice squad. Uh, I don't, wouldn't have any confidence in those guys. I think it would be Ingram probably in a lead role, but I don't, I wouldn't like put him in the top 10 or anything. The Patriots, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson dealing with head injuries. There was a report that Stevenson may be cleared in time, but Harris would not. What sort of backfield split would you expect if Stevenson is a go and Harris isn't? I, and I would like to just apologize. I feel like I'm rambling on this podcast a little bit more than usual as I'm thinking through <laughs> these situations. You're great. Uh, this is what this is basically. You're getting a picture into what my you know go into my head. Like this is how I think about things. It's very nuanced, and I don't have like hard, fast takes on everything. I have to sort of work through everything. Well, <laughs> real time. okay. So in defense, in defense of you, in, injury situations in the NFL when you're talking on a Friday morning. There are they are convoluted. So uh, you know, yeah. in defense of John here. Let me let me stand up for my partner. I know how it feels to be to you're constantly pulled in one way or another. You're trying to give the best advice. You're working with the information we have on a Friday morning. Uh, you know, if it's yeah. Sunday morning, you're like you know, Alvin Kamara doesn't play. That John Paulson, that scum, or he does play. That's Paulson. He's a scumbag. Like you know, uh, he told me he wasn't gonna pre- he wasn't gonna play. Look, John's right. working with the information he has on a Friday morning. So do do the best you can, John. Carry on. <laughs> also, if I were super concise, this podcast would be like ten minutes long. I don't know if that's, that's what true. people want. Yeah, they like. I guess they like to hear the what, what if this happens? What if this happens? Okay, so you asked about the Patriots, right? Yes. The Patriots running backs. Yep. Okay, so. This looks like it's going to be uh, Stevenson practicing today. That was the report. Now, we'll see if that happens. But earlier in the week, 
it sounded like Harris was not going to be able to be back be back and play this week, and Stevenson would be able to. And if that's the case, then I think Stevenson is probably the lead back with Brandon Bolden playing uh, you know, quite a bit on passing downs like he has been. Stevenson is a pretty good receiver and has made some dam- you know, made some uh, big plays in the done some damage in the in the passing game as a receiver. Uh, if Stevenson can't play for whatever reason, then I think you're looking at JJ Taylor, you know, as sort of the lead back with Brandon Bolden in the third down role. I'm not going to, you know, even if Stevenson is the lead back, I'm not going to rank him super high because this is the Patriots backfield. We don't know exactly. We haven't seen it without Harris. We don't know exactly how they're going to split things up. Uh, They might use Stevenson, Taylor, and Bolden in a committee. Um, But Stevenson has flashed, and I think he would be, you know, you're in these situations now with buys and stuff and people are injured and on a COVID list and et cetera, and you're trying to find some from sneaky starts. And I definitely think that Stevenson would – qualify as a sneaky start in the situation uh, if he's able to play and Harris is out. Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Chris Carson back at practice but not activated off the IR yet. Do you anticipate that both guys will be and do you, do you like them for their respective matchups? Uh, they're, they're playing, no, they, yeah, the Chiefs are in Vegas to take on the Raiders and then Chris Carson is in Green Bay to take on your Packers. I think I have a decent feeling that Edwards Edwards Hilaire is going to be activated. They said he looked great in practice. Now I don't know if that, that you know usually it's Saturdays that they activate these players off of IR, so we should know then. Uh, obviously, this will impact people that are planning to start uh, Daryl Williams if if Ceh is back. Uh, you're really getting into uh, uh, you know there, there are people that argue that Williams has looked better than Edwards Hilaire, but I think Edwards Hilaire probably comes back to a lead role there. Uh, and then Carson, I don't have a feel on it. Seattle's just one of these weird teams with with injuries because they they practice so late in the day, and their information isn't into, into the NFL until too late, and you end up with their information the next morning. So I think we're probably going to be waiting until sat, uh, Saturday to know whether or not Carson's going to play. He's got a neck injury, uh, which is really scary and tricky. Um, but it sounds like maybe it wasn't. Uh, you know, bones and, and and things. It was more of a neck strain or something. So we'll see, uh, or a disc thing. I don't know, but uh, it sounds like he may be back uh, this week. So we gotta pay attention if you're planning to start Alex Collins, who's not a great start right now with Rashad Penny sort of breathing down his neck. You may be looking with you know Carson back as a you know high end RB three if he's back. That's sort of where I have Collins right now. I think I have him at like RB twenty nine, RB thirty. Uh, you know, sort of in a lead back in a committee, and that's where I would have Carson as well. I think Edwards Hilaire, if he were activated, I'd probably have him in that 25 to 30 range as well, just because we're not exactly sure how much they're going to feed him in his first game back. James Robinson running back for the Jaguars, who missed last week's shocking, shocking upset of the Bills. He was back at practice on Thursday. Looks like he's going to play in week, week 10. Is he an RB1 this week? Yeah, it's an interesting situation with Robinson because, you know, you're looking at last week, he was fairly close and then uh, ultimately did not play. And then this week he's coming back. He's got kind of a bad matchup against the Colts. Uh, you worry a little bit about the productivity there. They're, they're, the Colts are sort of a pass funnel team right now. And, you know, you wonder if the Jaguars are going to have a letdown and not really be able to keep this game as close because they had such a good game last week against the Bills, sort of their Super Bowl. Um, but if the Colts do jump out to a lead, you could see Robinson with a number of catches out of the backfield. Um, it does look like he's going to play, so I'm going to have, have him ranked as an RB2, uh, assuming he does play heading into Week 10. Chase Claypool dealing with a toe injury. He's week to week, but he should return at some point this season. What, what's the pivot for Chase Claypool fantasy managers? Uh, it's James Washington, I think. He's been the, the guy that has seen his snaps rise uh, with the departure of Juju Smith-Schuster, the absence of Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, a lot of his targets are going to James Freermuth, the tight end, but uh, Washington is playing more, and uh, he has produced in the past. If you remember, prior to Claypool's arrival, he had a pretty good season, and it looked like he was an ascending receiver. Uh, in the 11 career games where he has seen at least six targets, he's averaged 3.6 catches for 54 yards and 0.36 touchdowns on 7.0 targets per game. In the six games where he's seen at least seven targets, he's averaged 4.7 for 69 yards and 0.5 touchdowns on 7.8 targets per game. So I think he'll assume that Claypool role and, and get that five to eight targets per game. I mean, they're just running out of quality receivers there. You've got 
Deontay, he'll probably see 10-plus targets. You've got Freermuth, who'll probably see 7 to 8. And then you've pretty much got Washington as your at least your third option. Um, and against Detroit, Detroit is 8th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. But that's a little bit misleading because it's just been such a low volume that they've saw, that they've seen against uh, in terms of wide receiver targets there for uh, whatever reason. So uh, I don't know if that's going to continue or sort of even out towards the, over the rest of the season. So I like Jack, I like Washington as a sneaky start as well. Tampa Bay wide receiver situation. You got Chris Godwin dealing with a foot injury, Antonio Brown ankle injury, both missing some practice. The hope is that Godwin can practice today. What are your thoughts on Tyler Johnson? Yeah, Bruce Arians is hope, holding out hope that Godwin will practice today and be be able to play this week. And if he is, then you sort of plug him back into your top, you know, your lineup top fifteen. It's a little worrisome that he's missed a couple practices, and you know, even I think if Godwin does play, I think Tyler Johnson is is a sneaky start. Uh, he had a pretty good game last week, five for sixty five on six targets, uh, or it was, it was prior to the weeks uh, their, their bye last week, the previous week. Um, and he's going to, it looks like Antonio Brown is going to miss another game. So at, at worst, Johnson is the, you know, the third receiver, uh, Rob Gronkowski appears that he's going to be out. So there are targets up for grab and, and grabs and this Washington is 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. So it's a good matchup, even if he's the third option, if Godwin's out, then I think Tyler, John, I mean, I think I have Johnson at, as a low end wide receiver three right now, if Godwin's out. I think he gets bumped into you know at least six spots up, and we're getting into you know strong wide receiver three type territory because they're just running out of receiving options there for Tom Brady. You know, Mike Evans probably will see double digit targets, but I think after that you're looking at Johnson as maybe an eight eight nine target type of player if if Godwin's out. Things not trending in the right direction for DeAndre Hopkins. DNP on Wednesday, DMP on Thursday, dealing with the hamstring injury that cost him the game last week against the 49ers. He did not play against San Francisco. A.J. Green should be back after spending last game on the COVID list. What are your thoughts on Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore? Uh, Rondale Moore is not practicing, John, so the situation for Arizona's receiving core not great. Not great. Yeah, not great, Bob, as the, as the <laughs> meme goes. Uh <laughs> Yeah, Rondale looks looks doubtful. Uh, I would say Hopkins looks doubtful. I, you know, as I mentioned, I wonder if they're trying to they're they're stop they're going to stop playing this game where they you know run Hopkins out there because he's tough and they're trying to maybe get him fully healthy for the stretch run because they need him for the playoffs. But if this hamstring injury keeps lingering, he's never going to be full. Uh, so you know, the question they're asking themselves is: Are can, can we beat Carolina with Colt McCoy, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, and Antoine Wesley as our you know, third receiver, Zach Ertz at uh, tight end. Um, we're down some guys, but we have a good enough defense. Maybe we can win this game without them, and that would justify letting them sit for another week. Um, Kirk, I think, is a strong play. It, you know, whether if, if Hopkins sits, I think Kirk's a strong play. I think Kirk, Kirk is a decent play if Hopkins plays. I think if Hopkins sits, then A.J. Green is a pretty good play because you're looking at him as you know, without Rondale Moore, you're looking at him as a clear number two, possibly number one target for this offense uh, with Hopkins out. So I think they're both sneaky starts. Uh, Zach Ertz gets a little bit of a bump. Uh, James Conner, we'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, you know, Chase Hedman's kind of hobbled. Um, so I would feel pretty good about Kirk. I'd feel decent about Green if, if Hopkins sits. One tight end injury, Dawson Knox practiced fully on Thursday. Where is he, where is he in your rankings for Week 10? I have him ranked as a tight end, too. I want to, you know, I think with a hand injury, it's, I feel a little bit better. If he's, a, if he's ready to go, then he's ready to go. It's not like a leg injury that is going to pop back up. Uh, so he was a tight end one prior to all this. I do think that, you know, you putting him back in the offense, I wonder if he immediately goes back to that role or if he's sort of eased in. Maybe he's not playing the full complement of snaps in his first game back due to conditioning. Um, but you still feel pretty good about Knox if you have to start him this week in a streaming situation. We're going to get into the Thursday night football matchup from last night. A shocking upset as the Dolphins take down the Ravens. We also have some sneaky starts. But first, we want to tell you about an easy and fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy in their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over under or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you, you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website, 
Android and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. Head to 444.com slash underdog. Claim your free 444 Pro subscription and get a $10 bonus in cash to play this weekend. It is super easy. I've used it a lot. It's fun, especially if you're already diving into your season-long or DFS rankings each week or you're using John's rankings as kind of a uh, you know a template. It's it's it, Underdog Fantasy is a lot of fun. And uh, again, you can win you can win a lot of money by picking out your favorite over and unders for each player uh, throughout the course of the Sunday or, or Monday night games. All right, Thursday night football, John. As mentioned before, the Dolphins knock off the Ravens. We've seen some big upsets over the last two weeks. Now it's kind of a weird time of year where you know teams they've been rolling and now you know they kind of got to grind throughout November. Season's getting into the second half, and again we've seen some big upsets. Last night was huge. You got the Dolphins beating the Ravens. And Jacoby Brissett, he was injured midway through the game. You saw him on the sidelines. Brian Flores, the head coach of Miami, you know, basically told him that uh, to not sit down, but you're not going back in. It's going to be Tua Tungavaloa. So Brissett hurts his knee. He started the game. He did not finish. Tua takes over and winds up helping the Dolphins. I won't say leading, but he helps the Dolphins win the game. He was 8 of 13, 158 yards. Jalen Waddle continues his solid season, four of six for targets, caught four, targeted six times, 61 yards, had a great catch along the sidelines at one point in the second half. The big news, I think, was that Mike Gusecki, the tight end, he was held without a catch on seven targets. Uh, Miles Gaskin rushed 14 times for 31 yards, added a 14-yard reception as well. Albert Wilson saw five targets, caught four of them for 87 yards. Isaiah Ford saw four targets, caught all four for 84 yards. And then Preston Wilson was held without a catch. What would you take away from a fantasy standpoint when you look at the Dolphins' numbers from from last night, John? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a surprising result, and the game script was not the way that we thought it would be as we project these things. The Vegas lines and the over-unders um, drives a lot of our projections, and I think certainly I was expecting uh, the, the Dolphins to be playing catch-up, which would lead to more receptions for Gaskin he only saw two catches you know one catch for 14 yards he did have 14 carries so the usage was there but just very poor production you know he got his usage in the area where the Ravens are better defensively which is in the running game uh so his production was a lot lower than I was expecting and that was basically based on the uh, game script of the game and from a receiving standpoint I saw Waddle had you know, his 61 yards fairly early in the game and disappointed to see that that's what he ended up with. I mean, last night I didn't watch this game. I watched No Time to Die uh, <laughs> with my family. So um, I it didn't sound like I missed a whole lot, but it was a surprising uh, victory for the Dolphins. Uh, I did miss a, a guard catching a screen pass and scoring <laughs> a touchdown that didn't count. Uh, I did see the picture of that. That was pretty, that pretty was amazing. Cool. But I guess you know. I guess it was the the key to the game was a lot of blitzes by the defensive backs of the Dolphins uh, on Lamar Jackson, and I guess it caused some problems for them. Uh, yes, Gasecki seven targets, no catches, hugely hugely disappointing. Um, Waddle with a decent game, Gaskin with a disappointing game, and then this whole thing with the the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins with with uh, Tungavaloa being healthy enough to be the backup, but not healthy enough to start. I think that's kind of odd and I you know I'm glad he got in and you know he averaged 12.2 yards per attempt which is really effective he got the rushing touchdown um so I'm glad they they got the win uh but you know they, they're not the Dolphins aren't treating him very well especially considering you know going after Deshaun Watson and then what's going on here I don't know why they would start Jacoby Brissett uh if Tungo Valoa is healthy enough to play but that's what they've been doing and we'll we'll see what what they do moving forward yeah, that one. I'm with you. That it was strange. I mean, look, we Brian Flores knows the, situ, knows the situation better than than we do. But for Tungavaloa to be uh, active, and he came right in. He grabbed his helmet. He was ready to go. And then obviously Flores, like I said before, Flores stuck with him. So clearly he was health enough to play. I mean, all this just screams that Tua Tungavaloa is not the guy. And we know that Miami has been 
in hot pursuit of Deshaun Watson, and if they could have got more clarity from either the league or Watson's legal team, I think that Deshaun Watson would would already be a Miami Dolphin, right? So Tua Tungvaloa, not the guy. I think this is just more evidence of that. Uh, but for the time being, I think he, he'll he continue to start, uh, although we'll, we'll see about the situation heading into next week. All right, from a fantasy perspective, from the Ravens' standpoint, Lamar Jackson – Completed 26 of 43 passes for 238 yards. Had a one one touchdown, one interception, nine carries for an additional 39 yards. You had mentioned it, and you know me watching the game that that there was no there was no counterpunch last night from from the Ravens. They to me I I use this phrase a lot. They they lost that game on Monday when the game plan was installed because clearly they had no they had no pivot to Miami blitzing the the, the ever living crap out of Lamar Jackson because. There was just no adjustment at halftime. They didn't score a point in the third quarter. They, they never had control of that game um, outside of maybe the first series of the game. So that was certainly disappointing if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan. So that was Lamar Jackson's stat line. Sammy Watkins caught one of three targets for seven, for, for seven yards. Uh, had a fumble as well in the, you know, that led to a, a touchdown for the Dolphins in the fourth quarter. Marquise, Marquise Brown caught six of 13 targets for 37 yards. Missed on a couple of big, you know, big play opportunities throughout the course of the game. Rashad Bateman caught six of seven targets for 80 yards. Mark Andrews, six of eight. He had kind of the best night from a fantasy standpoint. Six of eight targets, 63 yards, and a, and a touchdown in which somehow he got wide open in the back of the end zone. Devontae Freeman only rushed 10 times for 35 yards, John. Uh, three catches for 23 additional yards. But I thought Devontae Freeman looked pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm a Falcon fan, obviously, and I, I remember when Devontae Freeman first came into the league. He was a stud, especially during the Super Bowl year. That was the best I've seen Devontae Freeman look uh, in in years. Levon, Le, Le'Veon Bell excuse me, rushed three times for one yard, and that was kind of the, the stat lines for Baltimore. So what are your thoughts on the Ravens from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah, takeaways here. Devonta Freeman right now is sitting atop this depth chart, and that's partially due to Latavius Murray being sidelined with the ankle injury. Still, you know, through the bye, had the bye to get he- healed up and didn't. So it sounds like he might have a high ankle sprain based on the timeline right now, and that those tend to linger. Uh, so you might see Devonta Freeman in this sort of role. He had 13 touches, and Bell only had three. Uh, and we haven't seen this sort of disparity here. Uh, and part and it's partially due to the bell just couldn't get anything going and in general the the Baltimore running game wasn't really firing on all cylinders either uh, I think in the in the receiving game Mark Andrews continues to produce one of the best t- fantasy tight ends in the league uh, looking forward to seeing what he does in the next year or three Marquise Brown uh, got the usage that we thought he's been fantastic this season uh, got the 13 targets, but as you mentioned, just six for 37. Disappointing uh, fantasy outing for him uh, this week, given the, the matchup with the Dolphins, who have been pretty bad against the pass. Uh, but Bateman, I think you're looking at him now as this solid our wide receiver two for the for the Ra- uh, for the Ravens, uh, six for 80 on eight targets, and he had 34 routes run while Sammy Watkins only had 16, and that sort of makes sense bringing Watkins back after sitting out a few weeks, uh, you know, I think they will want to ease him in, but Devin DuVernay had 32 routes run. So Watkins was operating as the fourth receiver. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about him too much. If you have Bateman on your roster, I think you, uh, can start him, uh, especially if the Ravens are going to start throwing the ball 43 times a game. Uh, but that's always the concern with the Ravens is that the passing volume is not necessarily there. Uh, and I, I think I wouldn't panic if I'm, you know, Starting Lamar Jackson on a weekly basis, I think I mean, he still put up a pretty decent fantasy line, all things considered. All right, let's get into some sneaky starts for Week 10. We like to wrap up the podcast this way. John's got his sneaky starts article, again, for Week 10 already out, and you can check it at 444.com. Let's start off with some quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill and uh, Heineke you like, Taylor Heineke you like for Washington. Washington's at home against Tampa Bay, and you've got Ryan Tannehill at home against the Saints. Yeah, and there's a few other ones there listed uh, as streaming options this week, but T- Tannehill, I'm sure people are getting sick of me recommending him. However, he's the number three fantasy quarterback right now because he continues. He hasn't had his buy yet. That's part of the reason, but he's starting to produce a little bit more. Uh, the Titans were more pass-heavy in neutral situations last week without Derrick Henry. 
Uh, it jumped about 10%, so they are going a little bit more pass-heavy because they don't have the big dog in the backfield any longer. Uh, and at home, uh, New Orleans is a good defense, particularly good against the run. Uh, they have been, so they might. the Titans might struggle to run the ball, which I think leads to more pass attempts. I'm a little alarmed about uh, Julio Jones tweaked his hamstring again oh. in practice after being <laughs> off of the shocking rate. Uh, but he was, for a little bit there, healthy. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to practice today. Obviously, if Julio's out, it, it diminishes the outlook a little bit for, for Tannehill. But uh, Tannehill at home over the last uh, 17 home games since the 2019 season when he took over as a starter, he's averaging 2.77 total touchdowns per game. That includes about a half a touchdown running per game. Uh, so I still think that this is a pretty good spot for, for Tannehill. And then Heineke, uh, I you know, this is not a player I want to start. I might have to start him in our league, uh, our armchair quarterback league there, uh, Anthony, because I'm sitting there with uh, Kyler Murray, wondering if he's going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Heineke's got a pretty good matchup against the Bucks. The Bucks have gotten a little bit better against the pass over the last couple of weeks, and these matchups, matchup plays against the Bucks haven't panned out as well as they were early in the season. But Heineke has four games with 20-plus fantasy points, and in his other three starts, he scored less than 12 uh, so it's definitely boom or bust with him, but he can run the ball, and I could see this situation, you know, devolving into playing catch up for most of the second half uh, with Tom Brady on the other side. So um, I'm, I'm expecting a pass-heavy game script for for Heineke, so he should should be able to produce in garbage time at least. A few running backs: James Conner, Kenyon Drake, and Devin Singletary. James Conner coming off a great game last week. You know, he reminded everybody of how how good he really is when he's healthy, and I don't think he was healthy last year, and it, it really. Uh, impacted the way everybody viewed James Conner, but when he's healthy, we saw that in Pittsburgh in his first year as a starter when he's filling in for Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell decided to hold out. Uh, this is a talented running back. So you got Conner, Drake, and Devin Singletary listed. Yeah, and I also mentioned since we didn't talk about Nick Chubb and uh, Demetric Felton and John Kelly all on the Browns COVID list, Kareem Hunt still out. Durnis Johnson, I have him in the top uh, 10 this week. So uh, he's he's back in the in the RB one uh, conversation with all those guys out for the Browns. Uh, you mentioned J- uh, James Conner, clearly with Chase Edmonds dealing with you know ankle sprain, probably a high ankle sprain. Conner is going to be the primary back. Eno Benjamin is his backup, uh, but Conner has been scoring a lot of rushing touchdowns and can also catch the ball. We forget that he's a pretty good pass catcher. Uh, and then Kenyon Drake was the one who actually filled the void by Henry Ruggs from a target standpoint. Uh, he caught six of eight targets for 70 yards last week, and he had th- added 30 yards as a, as a runner. Uh, this could be a game where if the Chiefs are back and you know getting out to a lead, I don't think we can count on the Chiefs you know jumping out to a lead anymore, but if they do, you might see Drake and catch up a pass-catching role. It seems like he's playing a little bit more. Uh, now that John Gruden is out as head coach there. And then keep an eye on Zach Moss's uh, status. I know he was back at practice in a non-contact jersey, but he had a concussion last week. Uh, Singletary was actually playing ahead of him even before the concussion. If Moss is out, Singletary's a great start against the Jets. He'll he'll be you know, pushing for low-end RB1. I have him at 16 right now. Uh, I think the one whole, you know, the one issue you have with any Bills running back is just the lack of rushing touchdowns because Josh Allen tends to run for, for touchdowns more than the running backs do. But you should see Singletary in a 15 to 17 touch role if Moss is out. Uh, we'll see if Moss can get through the concussion protocol this week in time to play on Sunday. The ever selfish Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, right? Uh, <laughs> wide receivers listed. Let's hand out some sneaky starts. Donovan Peoples Jones, you have listed. Browns taking on the Patriots in New England. And then, hey, Falcons wide receiver makes the list here. Russell Gage in Dallas against the Cowboys and his former coach, Dan Quinn, who's now coordinating the Cowboys defense. Yeah, I was you know having a tough time picking the sneaky, sneaky starts to talk about on the podcast, but I mean I think Tyler Johnson and James Washington are the most fun to talk about because they're coming out of nowhere. Uh, but we talked about them as part of the injury situations earlier. Uh, Peoples Jones, if you look at his last four outings, it's been it's been very interesting. <laughs> it's had two for eighty six and a touchdown on three targets last week. Caught that bomb. He had a goose egg the week before. 
or the game before. He had four catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns the week before that. And then he had five, seven, five for 70 in the previous game. So three very usable fantasy lines plus a goose egg, which I think is what you can sort of expect as his floor and his ceiling. Uh, the question is with the Patriots, are they going to deem him to be the most dangerous threat that they need to shut down? Or are they going to focus on Jarvis Landry? Or are they just going to focus on the running game? Um and limit so that's the one thing you worry about a little bit with people's jones against a pretty stingy uh, patriots defense uh russell gage talking about goose egg, I, I, he had a goose egg two weeks ago so i called this a goose egg sandwich he had four for 67 and a touchdown uh in week seven he had a goose egg in week eight and then he had seven for 64 on eight targets in week nine so he had you know two usable fantasy lines uh and then a goose egg uh, in between which i didn't understand why he didn't see a single target in week eight uh, it was the Tajay Sharp show, I guess. Uh, so I, I think Gage is probably the most dependable option outside of Kyle Pitts for Matt Ryan. Uh, I think he's the one that's going to have the most usable fantasy lines over the course of the season. You saw Sharp popped his head up in week eight and then kind of disappeared in week week nine. Uh, Zacharias had two touchdowns, but was you know wasn't targeted a ton and just seemed like you're chasing points if you're trying to go after him. <laughs> I think in PPR PPR formats with Gage. Uh, I think he's your best bet, but you know we saw him goose egg in two two weeks ago, so it's it's not a it's not a safe start. Dallas is twenty fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, so the matchup is there. Yeah, it's it's weird with the Falcons this year. I mean, Kyle Kyle Pitts had the big game, and then you know he disappeared against Carolina. You mentioned Sharp, he pops up one week, then disappears. Zacchaeus last week had the two touchdowns, but like you mentioned, he wasn't a big part of the the, the game plan. Matt, Matt Ryan right now is just the ultimate point guard. I mean, he is just whoever's open, dishing it out, moving on. And it worked. It worked last week. Didn't work two weeks ago against Carolina. Uh, but it's going to be fascinating to watch that matchup. The Falcons are a nine-point underdog against Dallas on, on Sunday. So we'll see if they can, you know, get, get close to, to even pulling off two upsets in a row. Let's talk about tight ends, and then we'll get into your breakout receiver model. Two tight ends that you like, at least from a sneaky start standpoint, Dan Arnold and O.J. Howard. Yeah, and this is one that's sort of obvious. Dan Arnold, he has 30 targets in his last four games. The matchup is great. 32nd uh, in just a fantasy points allowed to tight ends are, are the Colts. Uh, Arnold has 8 for 68 uh, week 8. He has 4 for se- four for 60 on 7 targets last week. Uh, he's got a pretty good schedule the rest of the way. Uh, Indy has uh, yielded an average of 6.1 catches for 60 yards and two-thirds of a touchdown to the position this season. Uh, both Ryan Griffin and Jeff Swain found the end zone against the Colts in back-to-back weeks, so it's a good matchup. And then with with Rob Gronkowski dealing with back spasms, I, you know, I, I depended on Howard, or I thought Howard would have a bigger role than he has had. But with, you know, Chris Godwin also, Gimpy, you wonder if, you know, Howard will be a little bit more featured part of the game plan against Washington with Gronk out. So his snaps in the, in, the, in the five games where Gronk has been out or left early, Howard's snaps have jumped from 10 to 42 per game. Uh, he did have the six for 49 and a touchdown on seven targets in week six, and he has at least three targets in each of the last four games. So he's more of a desperation start where we know he's got some talent. He plays with a great quarterback. Maybe he catches a touchdown or two, and maybe maybe he goes for 40 or 50 yards receiving. All right, let's get into your breakout receiver model. Last week you mentioned Marquise Brown, who had a huge game, along with Kyle Pitts and Emmanuel Sanders, who didn't score big. Who's popping out in the model this week, John? Yeah, I want to mention Matt Savoca is doing a great job with the article, uh, you know, summarizing the tables, explaining what's going on. Uh, you're not going to get a 50-50 or a 60-40 split on, on hits here. You're, you're usually going to see about one in three, hopefully one in two, if you're having a great week of, of players listed in the model having you know a big, big week. So um, this week, I like to see it. I like to see really talented receivers up at the top of this of these of these tables. We have C.D. Lamb as the number two receiver this week. Amari Cooper is about six or seven, so both Dallas receivers. I, I do worry a little bit about Michael Gallup coming back, but I think it's his first game. He's probably not going to play heavy, heavy snaps, although Cedric Wilson is on the injury report and didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, so Gallup could see a pretty big role. Uh, but you like to see Cooper and Lamb and that sort of talent with a good quarterback and a good matchup against Atlanta. Uh 
up atop the breakout receiver model. Tyreek Hill's also up at the high up in the model, uh, getting a lot of usage. This has not had a breakout game in a while. And then, you know, we mentioned Pitts. He's still there. Uh, Mark Andrews was there. He had a breakout game last night. Emmanuel Sanders is there towards the top. Uh, he has been on the model for a couple weeks now and hasn't. Uh, he had a pretty good game or a pretty decent game last week, but hasn't had a huge game for a while. I think he had a goose egg before that. Uh, so he's still due for a, a big game here soon. Um, so that's where the top of the model is. If you want to catch uh, the rest of the model, look at all, all the other players down the line. You've got some other interesting names there. I would be a little – when I rank, I, I go through my rankings, and then I do my Saturday uh, sweep, uh, Thursday sweep and Saturday sweep, and then I look at this model to see if I'm a little bit low on any of these players because these players are do have a pretty good chance of – exceeding what they've done lately and these are generally players that have disappointed in recent weeks but have seen the usage required to have big games and that's what you know we're expecting them to regress to in a positive manner uh in the short term nice job john i don't know where you got to pick on the falcons all the time but uh <laughs> nice job as always you can follow john on twitter at four for four underscore john make sure you check out his sneaky starts article as well four for four.com is where you're going to find that we've been telling you about our uh four for four subscription ways to get a free four for four four for four subscription just for depositing ten dollars at underdog or twenty to thirty five dollars at prize picks if you're a new ffpc user you also get the 35 dollar coupon to play in one of their leagues so don't forget to check that out four for four.com slash plans underdog 444.com slash underdog easy way to kind of spice things up for the football season it's underdog fantasy and they got that pick'em game which is a lot of fun and like we talked talked to you about at the start of the podcast today we've cut the prices for our rest of season subscriptions $19 for a classic $29 for a pro subscription $49 for a DFS $89 for a betting subscription so if you've been on the fence but you want to check it out you've always wanted to check it out now's the time to jump on it because our pricing uh, is outstanding for the rest of the season John and I will be back next week for the most accurate podcast wish you best of luck in all of your fantasy endeavors this week have a great weekend and we'll see you next time Magnolia, 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 Magnolia.